This is episode 332 of The Real Me and Colon, a movie podcast. On this week's episode, Chase is going to take a look at Malignant and Candyman, catching up on some of the movies that he missed this past year. It is spooky season after all, so let's get to it. This is going to be a fun episode, and it starts right now. Hello all and welcome to episode 332 of the Real Me and Colin A Movie Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Chase Lee, and thank you for joining me on this wonderful day or night or whenever you're listening to this. You guys are awesome. Always appreciate your support. Before I begin the episode, if you guys can spread this episode around and let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to, that would be much appreciated. You know, if maybe there's someone out there in your family or your, your friends group that is not a big movie fan. Maybe we can convince them to be one. I love this community. I love talking about movies. And I'm just glad that there's people out there to listen. You guys are the best. Okay. So as I stated at the top, this is episode 332, and the main topics of conversation will be Malignant, the James Wan-directed film that was a day-and-date release on HBO Max and in theaters, and then The Candyman, uh, or Candyman 2021 version, which is a direct sequel to The um, Candyman that came out in 1992. Yes, they have the same name. I'm not really a fan of that. Um, But yes, uh, you know, I miss those. Um, and I didn't talk about them uh, with you guys, and so I, I felt like I needed to catch up on some stuff. And it is Halloween season, and they're both horror films, so I said, why not? Let's just do that. Um, so that will be the main topics. And then I will also have a, an extra review of another movie I caught up on. I did promise you guys last week it would be Venom, Let There Be Carnage. I didn't have time to go see it, so it will be something else. So there you go. <laughs> but uh, before we get into all that... First of all, how are you guys doing? You guys doing pretty well? It is mid-October. Uh, it is the fall season, my favorite time of year. You know, it's when the the weather changes. You know, um, it's more cold and windy and kind of rainy and just makes you want to stay inside and watch movies, you know, uh, all day. It's just, it's a great time. And of course, it's extra special for me because I was married um, last Halloween. So my wife and I will celebrate our first anniversary here in a couple weeks. So that will be uh, very, very fun. So, but yes, that is what's going on. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, it is still a crazy world out there, and I just I hope everyone is is doing doing well. Um, sometimes my anxiety and sometimes my depression is a, a little bit too much, but I find my kind of outlets, you know, to kind of diffuse that, and this is one of them. And so I'm I, I just hope every single one of you out there, if you struggle with some type of anxiety or depression or just if anything in the world is just too much, you know, I understand. And I I really hope uh, this podcast brings you some peace or something because, you know, it helps me kind of bring myself peace. And so, uh, you know, just want to make sure everyone's doing okay out there. So, yeah, so the wife and I, we've been watching our, our usual stuff. We've been catching up on a lot of movies and television shows and um, we're watching the series Only Murders in, a Bu- in the Building. Uh, we didn't see the newest episode this week, but fun little crime caper. Uh, you know, or not crime caper, but you know what I mean. You know, people solving a crime, and it's just, it's really lighthearted. Um, there's some comedy in there, but it's also serious at points, and it works, and it's just really, really well-written show. Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. Great little trio. Um, and so that uh, is a show we've been watching. And then 
we haven't really watched anything for this Halloween season so far. It's mainly just been, yeah, movies and theaters, and then um, you know we'll watch we'll watch some stuff, but it's not like anything crazy. But we did watch Sinister the other night, and I have always loved that movie. I remember when I watched it in theaters, and I was like, "Wow, this is a uh, uh, a fantastic." Um, uh, like boogeyman kind of you know serial or slasher uh, type of film. It's told in a very supernatural way, and like the bagul is absolutely terrifying. It's really well crafted. The jump scares are are warranted. It feels like it's happening for real. It feels like a snuff film at some some point. So the realism in it is just it, it heightens the fear even more while you watch it. Really great one. That's with Ethan Hawke. It's directed by um, uh, Scott Derrickson, who went on to go direct Doctor Strange. And now he's coming back to do another horror film with Ethan Hawke called Black Phone. So that's really fun. And so, yeah, we watched Sinister so far. Really, really great one. Give it a shot. I never watched the sequel because I heard the sequel was garbage. I have no desire to. I'm going to leave it at at number one because number one was, you know, perfect little horror film in my opinion. So... Um, we watched that and that was about it. Um, we might see Halloween kills this weekend when it comes out and spoiler alert, if we do see it, that's only if we see it, that will be next week's episode. Um, so yeah, other than that, we're just keeping it pretty chill. So, oh, but what are you guys watching out there? What's, uh, what's your recommendations? You know, uh, please, uh, DM me, shoot me, uh, a message on Twitter or However you guys want to contact me, I would like to know what you guys are watching because we're always looking for something uh, to watch each week. And uh, we're also looking forward to you, Season 3, coming out on Netflix, uh, speaking of the spooky season. So be quite fun. But yes, uh, that will do it for like what we're, yeah, I guess like what we've been catching up on. Um, so I guess let, let's just, let's not waste any more time. You, you guys have like precious minutes throughout the day. I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste that on uh, some BS. So let's go ahead and just jump right into it. Um, so the first one that I'm going to talk about after the break is malignant. Um, so definitely a fun one. I, I love me some James Wan. Uh, I love all of his movies. They're really successful and like people seem to love them. And I just like the way he, he shoots his films, the way he uh, edits them. Um, they're just really unique and they have his stamp on them. So So yeah, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about Malignant. So stay tuned for that, and I'll see you guys in a bit. Hello guys, and welcome back uh, from the first break. Uh, So let's talk about the first film uh, on the podcast, which is Malignant. So let's go ahead and break this down. So... This one is directed by James Wan, also co-written by him as well. And so I've been a huge fan of this man's career ever since I saw the first Saw, uh, Insidious, The Conjuring, uh, you know, Furious 7, Aquaman. He is a really great commercial director. Like He knows how to create films that the masses love. And I just absolutely love that. He knows how to play the game. And he really makes entertaining movies. And so, you know... Anything beyond uh, The Conjuring and the Insidious franchises, I was always curious to see which horror idea he was going to do next. And now we have our answer. Um, And and you know what? I I have to admit, after the success of Furious 7 and after the success of Aquaman, I am so glad studios were just like, hey, 
Thanks for bringing in all that cash. You want $60 million to create some weird, campy horror film? Here you go. <laughs> go nuts. And so that's what this film is. It is definitely a, a great testament to um, one for me, one for you <laughs> uh, type of scenario. You know, he made Warner Brothers a lot of money with Aquaman. So they're like, okay, here you go. Um, go make an, another horror film. So here we are with Malignant. Uh, just my little... Uh, a little rambling there before I start, but um, this one is about Madison, who is paralyzed by shocking visions of grisly murders, and her torment worsens as she discovers that these waking demons are, in fact, terrifying realities. You know, going into this, I remember seeing the trailer for it, and I, I was on board, but I was also curious to know what it was about. They weren't really revealing too much, but at the same time, they were keeping a lot from... Uh, this movie that, you know, that's kind of the joy of it is just kind of going in and seeing the the gruesome and just crazy surprise that you're going to get with that third act. And, you know, but I was still on board because I, I like James Wan's filmography. I, I like the way he, he shoots, the way he constructs scenes. Like, he knows how to create a pretty good scare. Yes, some of them are cheap with jump scares and loud noises and all that stuff. But for the most part, he knows how to utilize editing techniques and uh, cinematography to you know, build tension to a reveal and actually have it being unnerving and disturbing when it finally gets to it. So, so I saw this and it's okay. Um, it's okay. Kind of like it. I, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate the heck out of it. I really, really do. Um, I don't know. I just, uh, once it was done, I was like, that was interesting don't really have any desire to watch it again. Um, maybe for some of the filmmaking uh, aspects, but like I really have no desire to watch this even around like the Halloween season. Um, James Wan still got it in terms of directing a film. You know, he knows how to set up character and story and, you know, tension and suspense within scenes. He knows how to build scares and he knows how to make payoffs, you know, really payoffs and they, they, they're actually satisfying to watch. I think it's mainly the story that boils down for me on this one. And I think this is actually the reason most people don't really care for for this one. But the story itself uh, plays a lot with, you know, real life kind of trauma and, you know, traumatic issues that I think kind of playing it with this kind of goofy and campy and over the top uh, violence and the sensation of it, it just, I don't know, just something about it didn't really mesh well. And it doesn't really work as a cohesive thing it works as two separate things um but for me it just doesn't come together all as one even though there's some interesting ideas and different takes on like the slasher uh genre it, it's a very inventive type of film for sure it's something i would have never expected especially when the everything is revealed and like that third act happens like it is absolutely bonkers for sure and people are um loving the heck out of it uh, for that for one of that uh, that reason uh, in particular and I totally understand it uh, but for me just as a whole it doesn't really come together um, but I appreciate several aspects of it so you know take that for what you will um, you know as far as like the actual like scares and uh, the suspense in the film like I said James Wan still got it I, I there's a lot of creativity when it comes to the reveals in this and uh, just the the stuff within the house and the stuff, you know, in other people's houses with this, you know, entity kind of following them, like they're trying to figure it out and everything. A lot of it's really uh, interesting stuff. And it kind of reminds me of like the films you would see in a rental store 
where you see the cover of it and just like that looks absolutely insane then when you when you come home and you you play it and it, it um kind of has the feeling of like a like a sci-fi movie or like something you would see late night on a, a paid pay-per-view service like it's that type of movies where you have to kind of discover it and it becomes like this cult classic so i i do believe this movie is going to have like a cult cult following down the road but um anyways back to the uh uh to james wan here um and so yeah he's still got it when it comes to like you know house scenes and you know just the haunted house vibe like that's just kind of his bread and butter and like that stuff uh, is executed really well here the one thing that i didn't really care for too much and this is more just like a a very minor um post-production thing but the color of it kind of threw me off for a bit because it's very gray it's very bleak um a lot of blues and it just it kind of looks pale and i know that like you know this is a very kind of uh I guess the, the reason for it is like this is a very, you know, serious kind of like subject matter and like uh, the character feels cold and kind of alone and isolated. So we're going to make the feel the film feel feel that way. I just I thought it was. Uh, um, it just wasn't really great to look at. Like it was just kind of weird to me like that they would decide to do the color like that and the, the palette and just it really just kind of looks dull. Um, doesn't really bring a lot of life to it and I kind of figure with the over top over the top violence and the craziness that this movie uh, entails you figured like they would make it a little bit more I don't know punchy and kind of over the top of the saturation or whatever but yeah uh, just, just kind of that's a minor thing um, so let's move on to the performances uh, I thought Annabelle Wallace you know she did the best best that she could <laughs> you know given what she uh, she had I will say that um, Given the twist in that final third act, there's some physicality in the performance that is interesting that I, I found to be really um, unique. I'm just trying to tiptoe around this uh, just in case if you want to watch this, but there's a lot of physical uh, aspects to her performance that was really uh, awesome to see because you're like, how did they do this? Um you know, there are some obvious answers uh, with either stunt doubles or, you know, maybe prosthetics or a doll or whatever, but it looked real. And I, I will just say if it was, if it was a lot more practical than I'm thinking, excellent job. As far as the dramatic stuff goes, um, you know, she she has the uh, thematic heft to her performance to to carry it to that, that level where you, you feel for her, you want her to, you know, take care of this situation and get this uh, crazy entity out of her house. Um, but besides her, everyone else is just kind of like, you know, they're enjoying the, the campiness. Uh, some of them, uh, you can feel their mustache twirling performances for sure, but she she kind of adds the, the heart and the soul to the film, and that was kind of the point, and she does a pretty good job with it. Um, yeah, and like I mentioned the cinematography earlier, Really great camera work. It, it moves like a bullet. Uh, James Wan knows how to not only frame actors within a scene, but he also knows how to move it and actually like apply to the characters' movements and the story and progressing it forward and just having this kind of like chaotic energy to it. I loved it, um, especially that fight. <laughs> My God! And you know what's really funny is like when the movie was done. I think the best way to describe it, um, I pulled two films from his filmography 
it has got the haunted house kind of horror, uneasy, unnerving feeling as like insidious, where you don't know what's going to happen next and everything just feels like this lucid nightmare that these characters are walking through. And it also feels like Death Sentence. I don't know if you guys remember that one. That was a revenge film with Kevin Bacon. Kind of had the same um, ideas like Death Wish. Uh, so with uh, with that one, Kevin Bacon goes on a revenge spree because uh, people kill his family. So, you know, he's, he's out for blood, right? And there is a fight towards the end as well. And most of the fights in that film that have kind of the same camera work, the same editing. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is, Malignant is the perfect blend of two completely different films that James Wan has done, and he mashed them together. So if you guys have not seen Death Sentence with Kevin Bacon, a very entertaining film, uh, for sure. Um, and Malignant has definitely got shades of that with Insidious, and I can understand why people like it a lot. Um, maybe I'll watch it again, and maybe I can appreciate it a lot more, but just for right now, didn't really work on all levels for me, but I can appreciate different aspects of it. And uh, I think just watching it for the craziness alone, um, you know, if you're into like B-horror cinema, I think this is the the route to go. Um, but yeah, just for me, it just it kind of down the middle uh, type of film. Didn't really have like a huge impact on me uh, in terms of James Wan's filmography. And I, I love the guy for sure. So, but yeah, let me know down below what you thought of Malignant. Uh, if you're going to be watching it this Halloween season. I, is it still on HBO Max? I'm not really sure. If it's not, then I'm sorry. <laughs> you can just, um, um, you know, rent it whenever it comes out or, or whatever. And that was my review of Malignant. When we come back from the second break, I will talk about Candyman. And just, uh, you know, my kind of overall experience with it. And like maybe the, the films I've seen previously in the franchise. It's going to be a fun conversation. So tune in when we come back. And welcome back, everyone, from the second break. Uh, let's go ahead and dive right into Candyman. Uh, this was, you know, a huge smash hit over the summer. I'm so sad I didn't catch it when it came out, but I'm glad I caught up on it. So let's go ahead and break this down. Anyways, my history with Candyman. Uh, I remember seeing this in middle school. Uh, my friend and I would watch all types of horror films, and that's where I fell in love with this genre. We would watch all the classics, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Halloween, Pumpkinhead even, some smaller ones like that, uh, Chucky, all that stuff, and then even Candyman. I remember that uh, as a really cool horror film where Tony Todd really stood out as one of my favorite horror movie icons. And as you get older, then you start to realize kind of the hidden meaning behind it and how it really ties into the nasty history in America, uh, preferably talking about slavery. Um, yet when you grow up and you start uh, realizing that's what the film is actually about, and, you know, this boogeyman that like kind of um, attacks people where justice is actually like warranted. It's just, you know, when you're, when you're a kid and you watch, you're like, Ooh, cool blood guts. And, you know, since I'm, you know, I was a little boy, I was like, you know, I hope there's like some boobies or whatever. It's like, such small peanut minds uh, we were. But um, as you get older, you start to appreciate films more and you understand like what the filmmakers were trying to accomplish. And Candyman was definitely one now, you know, as I'm sitting here uh, older, it is definitely a film that has made its impact for the better. And it, it's one of the, the classics for sure. And I cannot believe it's 
my God, it's going to be 30 years old next year. Insane. So, um, yeah, so that's my history with the original one. As far as this one goes, I remember seeing the trailer for it, and I was I was curious because I like Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, and, of course, Nina DaCosta, uh, director, she is going to be directing the Marvels, you know, so I was like, okay, so someone somewhere sees something in this director, and I really hope she brings it. Uh, I'm glad, you know, Jordan Peele's using his name and his, um, you know, presence uh, to produce it, co-write it, and so to kind of push it forward because this is really important to him as well. So a lot of things going for it. For it could just be a smash hit, Um, you know, especially when we're still in the middle of the pandemic and this comes out in theaters only. Uh, It's a horror film that came out in July, I believe. So it could have been a huge monster hit. And I think for the most part, it did... Okay, right. I think it made some money, um, so I'm glad that this this uh, horror franchise has still got some some staying power. After watching the movie, it's okay. Um, I was not as blown away by it as I was uh, the original, and I think it's because with this film and its you know uh, themes and messages about gentrification, the racial topics, all that's fine and dandy. Um, but it feels like this film is definitely not subtle about it whatsoever, which in that case, you're going to have people that don't understand these types of issues, so you need to kind of like come at them with a bullet um, and, and really kind of like make them understand and you have to be aggressive with it. I totally get that. But for me, it just it didn't really work. Um it just, it really felt like, you know, they just had to tell us the themes and the messages in the dialogue at all times. And it's like, I get what you're going for. Um, and so to be that transparent and to be that open about it, um, it just really feels like, I guess they don't trust the audience to like pick up on that. Um, not to say that the filmmakers think that we're dumb, but uh, that's the way it felt. Um, you know, some of the stuff works for sure. Um, you know, I think uh, that's my only issue with it, really. It's just kind of like the the overall themes and the messages really just kind of seem to hit you over the head with it and don't really um, blend as well as I thought it would. That's my only gripe. Everything else, fantastic. Nia DaCosta, she knows how to set up a scene. All of her, her scares and all of her reveals were so drenched with terror just this unsettling nervous feeling she didn't reveal a lot which was really cool so she she forces you to kind of play a lot with your mind and really kind of fill into the pieces and that to me is more terrifying than just flat out revealing something um but just kind of show us like glimpses here and there a shadow or just whatever and that to me makes it even more terrifying to watch and she knows how to set up a horror scene I want to see her tackle another horror film. I really do. So uh, th- this this showed me that one, I'm excited to watch her direct the Marvels, and two, I want her to direct another horror film. I don't care with who or how long it takes, but she really knows how to block scenes, and it really shows. And just the sound design and making it uh, uh, kind of unnerving to hear because the sound design is a little louder. It's a little disorienting. And so when you're watching that with the scene, it just it makes it even creepier. So uh, definitely some really good stuff there in terms of the suspense and the uh, 
um, the terror that is uh, brought along with this. Um, so yeah, I, I want to see her uh, directing another horror film. And so that's pretty much it when it comes to that. Uh, some really great cinematography that kind of like go along with it that I thought were really cool, really just kind of um, interesting angles and just reveals of like the Candyman or like whatever's chasing them. It's just really good stuff. And so um, it, it doesn't, you know, reek of those horror films that, you know, have shaky cam and don't really know how to like uh, set up shots or make it look pretty or anything. It's just kind of like they slap it together and they throw it into a theater as fast as they can. This looks like it, like um, they took their time with it. And I appreciate that. I, I love slow burn uh, horror uh, cinema, so keep it coming. The performances. Um, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, great lead. I always love this guy. Uh, you know, I think uh, every time when he's in something, whether it's something as big as like an Aquaman or like a mid-tier movie like Candyman or even the small screen like Watchmen, he has always surprised me. Um, he just he brings his A game every single time. And I'm like, how come no one talks about this guy more? Uh, he deserves it. Uh, the uh, woman that plays his wife in the film, uh, Tiona Paris, also really great. Um, they just re they really make a great couple. Um, a lot of friction there for sure, but that's you know that's their characters. But they really kind of brought it with the the chemistry and the the back and forth and the dread you know that that's uh, looming over both of them and how they both react to it and how they both like are treating each other towards the end and you know yaya is losing his mind at this point and she's trying to help him because she loves him it's just a really sweet and tender relationship for sure that i i liked uh, I, I hope to see both of them in a movie uh together and then uh my my one of my favorite people in general coleman domingo <laughs> first of all this guy has the voice of, of an angel and i could listen to him talk and then just go straight to sleep he's got like one of those voices where you know it's him and every time he delivers like a monologue or he's in a scene with another actor, you just let him go. You let him run free and he just, he delivers monologues and takes it to the next level to where like you're really invested. Um, every single thing that he's in, I love him. And so when he, when he makes his appearance, I'm like, oh yes, please. Like, I, I just want to like hear him have a conversation with the main character. I don't care what it's about. Uh, he was in the back of a laundry uh, laundromat in this movie. They could have talked about how uh, to do your laundry property properly. I would have been all years. So uh, Coleman Domingo, also one of my other MVPs of this film. But everyone does such a great job that even with um, hammering over the head with messaging and not being really subtle about it, they they make it work. You know, to to the best of their ability. Um, because they're all great performers. <sighs> but yes, um, that's that's about it. I mean, honestly, there's not that much to say. Um, if you're looking for uh, you know a horror film to see this Halloween season, uh, I don't know when it's going to be available uh, to rent. I'd say check it out uh, compared to the, the first one. It is a direct sequel after all. And the end of this film was... I liked it. it. It was it was really cool. Um, maybe there's a specific character that pops up, but you know, other than that, I still prefer the original. But exploring this kind of universe and the 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 story and the the, the thematic stuff and the in characters like 
I want to see this world explored for sure. For this one, um, it just doesn't work uh, all the way for me, but I wouldn't mind seeing more. It's not terrible by any means. I, I just don't think it's as great as other people are making it out to be. I want to see Nina DaCosta take on other projects uh, for sure. I think she's super talented, and this is a great showcase for people that don't know her. Um, and this one just kind of goes down the middle for me. So uh, let me know down below what you thought of uh, this version of Candyman. Um, you know, it is a direct sequel. I don't know why I keep saying version. Um, let me know down below what you think of the original. You know, how does it stand out amongst all the horror greats? Like, is it as conic as people are, are making it out to be? Is that justified? I think it is. But let me know down below and then uh, uh, what you think of this one as well. And that is my review of Candyman. Hopefully you enjoyed that review. And Malignant, let me know down below what you thought of both of them. And before we jump off, let me go ahead and just throw another bonus review at you guys. Uh, you know, last week, like I said, um, was going to try to do Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and that was going to be the, the three reviews you get this week. But instead, couldn't get to it. So in its replacement, I decided to watch Free Guy to check up on that. So here's my review of that. Let's break it down. Yeah, so this one uh, is the story of a bank teller played by Ryan Reynolds. And he discovers that he's actually an NPC inside of a brutal open world video game. Uh, so definitely gaining intelligence and becoming the first kind of AI that is self-aware of what's going on. And uh, that, that part is definitely interesting. Um, so anyways... Going into this, I never, uh, uh, so going into this, I remember seeing the trailers for it, and of course this film was pushed back quite a bit uh, due to the pandemic, and it finally came out, um, and I honestly didn't know how well it would do, and it killed at the box office, so uh, people seemed to really love it. But I remember watching the first trailer, and I thought like, hey, this could be fun, um, but there was just something about it that wasn't really clicking for me. And I was like, it, it felt more of like a chore to watch at that point. And I was just like, I feel like it's going to be a lot of just uh, pop culture references and just goofy slapstick comedy that just never lands for me. Um, and, you know, the premise sounds really cool and interesting. That was the only reason why I wanted to check it out. But just the, the presentation of its trailers didn't really win me over. So I saw it. I kind of like it. Um, you know, it's kind of, I think it's just okay. Um, and I'd be curious to see what they do with the sequel. But uh, there's interesting elements to it that I feel like could have explored, been explored a little bit more. And they should have went further with this idea. It seems like they took this concept and played out the concept for two hours instead of fully, like, developing it. I don't know. It was just very weird. It just seemed kind of one note. And then when they went, when they would bring up uh, certain things about AI and like um, having the AI be conscious of what's going on and like uh, asking who their, who their God is and like the power that the humans have to like just completely wipe their existence. Like that stuff was, was fascinating. And I was just like, wow, when they bring that stuff up, like I'm actually like really interested in the story, but just the goofy comedy and, the slapstick nature of it and uh, just everything about the, I guess the comedy angle just didn't really work 100% for me, but there's potential there. And I really enjoy that potential to see where it could go. But uh, to go to director uh, Sean Levy, Levi, listen, I've been following this guy for years uh, in terms of his films, never really knew how to pronounce his last name. 
Anyways, I think what's really impressive here is the amount of energy that is injected into this film. It's two hours long. It could be a little shorter. But for the time that is allotted, there's a lot going on. A lot of stuff to handle. Background, uh, stuff in the foreground, the special effects, the, the action, the, the dialogue, the scenes, the characters. Like everything. There's so much coordination that has to go with this, this film. I think it all kind of comes together as well as it can be. And the energy of this film that Sean kind of creates um, in this kind of fun atmosphere, I thought was really great about this film. And I think that's why a lot of people really enjoy it. Um, but there's a lot of moving parts to this, and I think he does create an entertaining film uh, for the most part. And there, that's something that um, you know he's in charge of, and I, I, I like that. So um, in terms of like world building and all that stuff, I think uh, Sean does a pretty good job with it. Uh, as far as the actual world itself in the video game, very different from the real world, and I, I appreciate the the stark differences. Um, you know, it does feel like a video game. It feels like something in Grand Theft Auto because that's obviously the the game they're trying to emulate, uh, where it you know focuses on real life and there's just so much going on. And it just it feels like a, a day in the life of somebody, and so definitely Grand Theft Auto um, influences for sure. But the video game world in the real world uh, definitely stark differences that, and they both stand out. Um, so I, I like the kind of production design element as well. You know, really kind of paying attention to those details. Um, and as far as the story goes, and the AI angle in having Ryan Reynolds' character Guy be self-aware of everything, I loved that element. I was like, you know, this could be the I guess the video game version of Herter, <clears throat> that movie with Scarlett Johansson playing the AI voice and Joaquin Phoenix uh, falls in love with her. That's what it kind of felt like. Um, obviously more of a goofy tone, but um, I appreciated the kind of self-awareness of the AI really kind of questioning his reality and like what it means to him to be alive and like, you know, uh, being this average guy, you know, being something better and greater than himself. Like, um, I thought all that stuff was great. You know, uh, some of the uh, themes that they were going with, you know, like any normal guy can be a hero and, you know, uh, don't pigeon yourself into a stereotype. Like anyone can go out there and be somebody. Love that stuff. Love the, you know, uh, the artificial intelligence angle. I think it really just kind of gets bogged down to the improv style comedy, which I don't think works as well as it does. I like Ryan Reynolds quite a bit. I think he's a fantastic dramatic actor. I also think he's a great comedic actor. He has his movies that, like, you, he just, he's flat out entertaining. And I absolutely adore watching him in his element. The improv does not work for this. <laughs> um, it's just so many misses more than lands when it comes to the jokes. And it just, it was really kind of off putting. Um, and that's what they kind of concentrated on was the kind of goofiness and the over the top angle. And, you know, I don't, the references don't mind me. Uh, or the reference, I don't mind the references that much. I know a lot of people were screenshotting like the Captain America shield and like putting that online. Like this is what's wrong with cinema. This is such a disgrace. It's 30 seconds in the movie. It's not a big deal. Um, I thought from the trailers that there was going to be more references just hammering in every two seconds. Yes, there's references, but it's like, it's, it's so minute compared to everything else that I didn't really, I didn't really mind that. The references didn't really bother me. It was just more like the comedy. 
um, didn't didn't really care for it. And so when it got to more of the dramatic elements and like you know the more kind of character scenes where you know uh, Ryan Reynolds is talking to Jodie Comer's character, like that stuff was sweet. It was adorable, but um, uh, I, I preferred more of like the the I guess the philosophical stuff. Uh, which is really funny. Um, but I, I'm curious to see where a sequel could go because there's a lot of potential for this type of world building, um, you know, in the video game kind of environment and the real life. So, yeah, I'm curious to see where it goes on that front. As far as performances goes, um, Ryan Reynolds is a likable lead. Always is. Um, in this one, he's kind of borderline annoying. Just keeping it real. Um, and this is coming from a guy who who absolutely loves him. And I remember when I saw Buried back in 2008, it was like me and another person in a theater. It feels like no one saw that movie. And that's the best movie that he's ever done. Because um, it's literally him in a coffin in the ground. <laughs> um, so check it out if you haven't. A nice little recommendation there. But he's done dark comedies. He's done dramas. Like he's done it all. It just doesn't It doesn't work uh, for me in terms of uh, being a, a lead that we like following. It's just... You know, he has his moments, but, like, my favorite person uh, by far, and she's also really great in another movie I'm going to review on my channel very soon, um, Jodie Comer, or, yeah, I think I think it's Comer. She's wonderful. She's She just injects so much personality and flair into every single movie that she does that she stands out for me uh, in everything that I've seen her in so far, and that's wonderful. I'm glad that she's blowing up from her show Killing Eve and all that stuff. She's such a delight. She she kicks ass. Uh, she's a, a likable romantic lead. She's also a, an interesting character because I didn't know much going in. So knowing like what she is doing throughout the movie, like I loved it. I love following her journey uh, throughout this entire thing. To take down Taika Waititi's character, which I'll, I'll jump into next. Taika was annoying. I once again, I pretty much like everything that Taika is a part of, whether it be acting or directing, or writing, or producing, the guy is a force to be reckoned with. I get that he's supposed to be a dick in this movie. For some weird reason, I I just thought he was, he was annoying, and it really was just a performance that they could have had someone else do, um, unfortunately. So, didn't really care for him. Little Ro Howry, kind of uh, another kind of heart and soul to the film. He was actually fine. Like I, I didn't mind him uh, one bit. A very great kind of friend to Guy. Um, Joe Keery, uh from Stranger Things and everything. He he's fine in this. Doesn't really make too much of an impact. His character is very important, but it's just kind of like whatever. And then uh, Karsha um, um, Umbagard. Uh, I probably mispronounced that. I really apologize. I've seen him pop up in a lot of stuff when it comes to comedies. He's always super funny. I never have any problem with him. Uh, his comedic timing is impeccable. Uh, it really shows he knows how to uh, utilize improv to the, the, its strengths rather than its uh, its weaknesses. Um, everything that just seems to come out of his mouth is just it's always like some type of quip. Um, he, he's he's really uh, fantastic. Uh, and then also like there's some moments where like you. Um, uh, you can see more of like a not a dramatic turn, but more of like a like a serious turn in his performance. And I'm like, I want to see him in more stuff like this, where he can kind of balance out the comedy and the drama. I think that'd be really fascinating. But yeah, every uh, and then everyone else beyond that, you know, it is what it is. Um, 
that's pretty much it. I guess I can talk about the special effects. Some of them are are supposed to be kind of goofy and over the top. It is a video game. Um, and then there's some stuff that's it's really, you know, it's chaotic throughout the entire movie. But uh, for the most part, the special effects are, are, are pretty well handled. There's some green screen, green screen aspects to it that aren't as blended uh, as they should. But other than that, it's a pretty well-realized uh, video game real world and um yeah it, it wasn't too bad on that front so uh, kind of a mixed bag for me um but there is a lot of potential for this idea to kind of go in places that could be unique uh, but i just think for this one they favored you know uh kind of the goofiness over over kind of the meat of the story because i think that's where the the real fascination comes from but you know hey what do i know i'm just some guy on the internet so what did you guys think of free guy uh, if you loved it hated it you know thought it was just okay like me and let me know down below what you thought of Candyman, man malignant just everything i've talked about today i would like to know your thoughts on everything and that will do it for this episode of the real me and colin movie podcast episode 332 hopefully next week uh for episode 333 it will be over halloween kills um that's only if uh We'll, we'll catch it in the theaters. So if not, you know, it is what it is. But uh, that is my goal is to um, uh, catch Halloween kills and maybe even catch up on the uh, 2018 Halloween to see how like it compares because that was kind of neutral on uh, the 2018 version. So hopefully I can check out the sequel and uh, we'll uh, tune in for that. But uh, in the meantime, you guys might get some mini reviews sprinkled throughout the week or maybe just one. <laughs> I don't really have much uh, uh, laid out. So just uh you guys know just take it day by day and we'll just uh we'll see what is uploaded but that will do it for this episode of 332 of the real me and colin movie podcast i am one of your co-hosts chase lee thank you for joining me on this conversation you guys are awesome and i will catch you guys next time on another episode of this crazy random movie podcast that i hope you guys are still enjoying all right goodbye